It's Friday, February 2nd, 2018, and you're listening to episode 473 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 44 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Brodor. And my name's Chad. Two announcements. First up, fearthecon.com. Be sure to go out there, get all your details on the upcoming Fear the Con that's going to be hitting us here in June. Uh, Wing night probably on the 21st and the con itself on the 22nd, 23rd. Fearthecon.com has all your information. And also, if you look along the top, it's kind of towards the top right. There's a link that says Con Planner, which is where you go to sign up for your games. The tickets are free. So this is, quote unquote, an unticketed con. And I put that in quotes because we would like you to at least sign up so we can get you a name badge and all that. But entrance into the convention is free. So we hope to see you in St. Louis this coming June. Now, on a similar note, there is something that Con Planner requires that has now been fixed, which is for a while there, we were having a problem with our email other than me not reading mine. (laughs) Which that's it, the eternal situation. Yeah, it's it, not even a problem anymore. We don't yeah, email's fucking horrible. It just it, it insists. It's just it there and upon it, it, it just it just it demands your attention. I fucking hate email. No, no, phones are that way. I, I hate phones because phones they ring. They're instantaneous. There's this expectation that you're going to respond to it in seconds. At least with the emails. Most people don't presume they're going to see a response. Well, I emailed you. Didn't you get it? Didn't you read my email? No, I, I don't associate with people like that. Yeah. And if my phone rings, I look at it. And if I don't want to answer it, I just, you know, swipe whatever way to yeah. send it to voicemail. Yeah. It, it, I, I'm pretty or much, I answer it. I, I'm kind of the same way. And if somebody shows phones up. Phones don't stress me out. Email doesn't stress me out. Texts don't stress yeah, me out. You just have to learn how to filter this all out. I can't. Well, well, not answering it is, I'm not quite to that level. I, I, I like interacting with people. I want to know what's going on. I, I, the, the Dan abides. I just want to interact with people face-to-face. That's it. I, I don't want any other form of communication. That's the most intrusive and demanding form of communication see, of all. See, Dan that, is down here in his Fear the Boot Bunker panic room, and he just allows us to come in through the servant's entrance, and I'm know, sorry. That, that's it. I sh- all over your announcement you were saying about the email and okay the so yes so the issue we were having that matters more is the fact that the email program i was using despite all of my best efforts to set all these different things that are necessary so servers don't think it's spam so if you're at home like well did you set the spf keys and the dkim and blah yes i set all of that crap Everything you can think of, and yet it was still... You, you actually became a junior exchange admin. I actually <laughs> probably could get a job doing email like administration mm-hmm. after the amount of crap I had to learn. And yet still, Google, Yahoo, they were all like not just putting it in spam. Some of them were putting it in spam. Some of them were blocking it outright. Like you didn't even get it. So people go to sign up for Con Planner or retrieve their password or different one, but same email. If people went to sign up for our forums and they were sent that confirmation email, it just wouldn't show up. And so if over the past couple weeks or months or whatever, you have attempted, whatever years you have attempted (laughs) to do something with con planner or with the forums or whatever, 
that was dependent upon you getting an email from one of our systems. We have now migrated the email off of our own server. Google's now hosting it, and we just tested it against all the spam filters. It gets right through like it should. So anything you need to sign up for that you've not gotten an email for, please try again or hit me up, Dan at FearTheBoot.com. That's- you just said you ignore that <laughs> <laughs> Hit me up, chat at fearthebootcom <laughs> Okay, there are there are th- three addresses. We yeah. gave three addresses out, which is Dan at fearthebootcom just so I can say I have it. <laughs> chat at fearthebootcom because he'll actually check it. Mm-hmm. And I shit fearthebootcom because I think she will probably check it, but not at a fast interval. I don't know. She can tell you herself. But so those are the three that have emails right now. It's me, Chad, and Aisha. So if you want to get a hold of me, email Chad. If you want to get a hold of Chad, email Chad. If you want to get a hold of Aisha, email Aisha and give it a little, like a week or so. If you want to email Brodor, don't. Yeah. Get on Facebook and you have to breathe the kissy lips. (laughs) Just like these guys have to squeeze past my horses on the way in. (laughs) I, I do have to clarify one thing from the most recent negative episode. I love craft beer. Mm-hmm. particularly bourbon barrel aged beers Absolutely. john eb i'm talking to you i love that stuff so i wasn't trying to shit on anybody <laughs> i was just making a point about hipsters see this is where an email would come in handy no you don't have to send secret coded messages through the podcast you guys could just email each other okay as a crazy person, I look for secret coded messages. So the idea that I get to present secret coded messages, it, it makes me foam. So topic for today. Well, I think it's a good moment here okay. to add, to remind everyone that we have forums, like old school style PHBB forums, you know, where you post messages and stuff that are there. They've always been there. We have a vibrant community. You should check us out. Is that yeah. like Instagram? Uh, no. Nor is it like Facebook, nor is it like anything else. How old do you think our fans are? <laughs> well, Pretty old. Okay. <laughs> I'll put it to you this way, Brodor. It is more technologically advanced and substantially better organized than a Slack or Yahoo group, and yet the technology is literally decades older. Makes you sound like an old person. Mm-hmm. Okay. But there's a community there. You're older than I am. I know. <laughs> but there's a community there, and it's very vibrant, and it's pretty cool. We talk about all kinds of stuff, not just role-playing games. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, We have not pimped the forums, forums in a while. In a while. And, and now that you can sign up yeah, on them. Now that you can actually sign up for them. After opening night, I can't read the reviews. I can't do it. I can't <laughs> go to the forums because I get shit on too much. You I just do can't not. do it. I, you do not. I get, I get, I get some flack. You don't, how, how would how you even you know? know? You don't read them. <laughs> I do read them. This would be like, but you read them. There's a couple people out there that are. So what? You just said you don't read them, but then you just no, said you do no, read them. No, no. This I said, is conspiracy theory. I said I don't read my email because uh-huh. I hate email. I do go to the forums, but I, I find it hard. Okay. So. Because I'm a sensitive little baby. Everybody needs to <laughs> sign up on the forums. And tell Brodor that you love him. Yeah. Because he doesn't have an email address. No, you know what you And can no do? one should see those lists. Just go to the Patreon, contribute $1, and then Dan will tell me how special I am. Oh, we already did that. That's over. What? 
<laughs> it was a milestone. It goal. was the dollar milestone. That was it. It was the one. Yeah. One dollar. Oh, man. You're special. Boom. Done. I mean, at some point, I am special. At some point, maybe I'll <laughs> release a two dollar milestone <laughs> where we'll tell you a second time. <laughs> How about a fifty dollar milestone where I get a tug and a tickle? <laughs> <laughs> I, maybe you go like logarithmically. It just it, it, it's going to be the Richter scale. <laughs> Speaking of logs, I had a big poop. <laughs> okay, so the topic for today is not Brodor's nuclear war because it's. I don't need to hear about ICBM. The topic for today this comes out of the ending of the most recent AP game. All right, so once again, if you're following that, you had not heard the most recent episode, which I think was like 17, then check that out first. Otherwise, roll along with us. And the usual counter disclaimer of this episode is not about the, right. the AP. It's about topics. It's about we the concept that, in our games. Yes. And this is a game we're playing. There was a concept that came up in the AP that I was able to explain in the short form of a tweet without. They're longer now. Yeah, they are longer now without any context. And people were able to follow it. So I think we'll have a perfectly good discussion. It was just the AP got us thinking about it. And here's what happened. So I had in mind that at the end of this particular plot, so or this particular session of the plot, that there was going to be this big cinematic scene where one of the antagonists, I don't want to call this person a bad guy, but one of the antagonists was going to set up a situation. I kind of took it from uh, as a Dark Knight sort of inspiration. He wanted to get caught. He was going to let himself get arrested by an opposing party, which at this point is generally protagonistic toward the players. And the reason he wanted to get hauled in is because he had on him what appeared to be a high-tech device that was really just the front for a very high-end conventional explosive. And the idea was that he knew... He and this device were going to get taken somewhere deep in the heart of a command structure, get questioned, at which point he had a plan worked out where he was going to escape and then blow it all up. He did not want to kill the party, and there's reasons for that that even the party doesn't know. It's not come up at all in the game, so I won't spoil that. But he didn't want to kill the party, and so I had a way that he was going to get you guys out of there, and I had worked out in my mind this big cinematic end of the game where the central government, sort of the the glue that holds everything together in the city-state of post-nuclear St. Louis, was going to get blown up in this really dramatic thing. Because for anyone who's not familiar with the way the arch is built, there is a museum that is underground between the sides of the arch. And so you're going to get this tamped explosive that's going outward and upward. And I'd had it set up where it was actually going to take out parts of the legs of the arch. And the the arch grounds were literally going to collapse this gigantic monument that stood, I mean, by this point in history for 150, 200 years, was going to come falling down and partially into the river. And it's going to be this big dramatic scene that leaves a huge power vacuum. And completely throws the entire stability of this section of the world into question because St. Louis is already under assault from a lot of sides. So now these 
people that were keeping it all together enough to fight that off are dead. There's a power vacuum. This could go in so many directions from St. Louis getting saved by the skin of its teeth to who becomes the kingmaker to who becomes the king or queen. If there's not a kingmaker and there's not a king or queen, then who is it that wins the siege and takes over? What becomes of that? Right, All these different branching plot possibilities that the party would be able to shape over the coming games and leave a distinct mark on the world that I, as a game master, had not scripted. In comes chat. When that bomb was set up and they realized what it was, the guy made an attempt to get the party out of there alive. And he did it by shooting them with a drug that... A trank gun. It was a trank gun, yeah. But it was more, it made them kind of quiet and compliant. The the effect I described it is, is kind of similar to what Rohypnol does to somebody. And the one that hit Brodor's character connected, did everything it was supposed to do. He was being taken out like a little lamb. The one that hit Chad, Chad raised a fair question. He said, it was all above mm-hmm. board rolling, right? right? Now, I mean, it's a point blank shot. It wasn't likely to miss, but it was above and, board rolling. And my character is not combat guy at all. Correct. So he In will fact, fold like a house of cards or yeah. deck cards. But well, your negative thing on your character sheet, your, I guess we were calls person flaw. Your flaw right. is literally anything and everything related to combat. Yep. And you raised the point, which is completely valid, that you were wearing a steel chest plate that you had picked up somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the only armor you're wearing, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And it's the most powerful armor in the group. Yeah. Well, or, except for what Casey has. But you, well, yeah. yeah yes. He, yeah. Because, yeah, most of the people in the group are completely unarmored for some reason. (laughs) But I've played the game before, so. (laughs) And so, have you ever fallen into a river wearing armor? (laughs) No, you haven't, because those guys died. Okay, so get this. My character is the only character who is wearing armor. My character has the most powerful, up to a point until your new character came along, had the most powerful weapon in the group, and he had the most amount of ammo. Because I've played the game before. Because my character's negative is combat. My thought was, I have all this ammo, and I'm not going to shoot it. I'm using it for trade, for money. It's just never come up. And my character is the only character in the group on this seafair or this river-faring adventure that has a life vest. How many people has that gun killed? <laughs> <laughs> well, at least one. <laughs> I've never pulled the trigger. <laughs> That gun ended up in a bad guy's hand, and he used it to kill Brodor's character. <laughs> <laughs> so Chad's character, or his gun, has drawn right. blood. All right. So along comes Chad, and he raises the point. Now, I want you to put yourself for a moment in my shoes as the game master. You've got this great cliffhanger, this really big theatrical dramatic mm-hmm. scene. I've been thinking about this as I'm driving home. In fact, there was a song, and I'll link it in the show notes, and it was this song that inspired it. And th- the song really doesn't have any words. It does. It's more like chanting or whatever. Did I f*** up your whole thing? And, uh, sort of. Sort of. Man, I did that to Wayne, too. But I, I had, feel so bad about it. I no, had, you don't. <laughs> don't. No, you don't. But I, I had this whole feel. <laughs> I had this big theatrical scene worked out. It was going to be a great cliffhanger because it was going to leave so many questions, so many possibilities of what might happen in the world, what might happen in the group. 
so this is where I'm at, right? right and right. Every, and you are like hyped up about and it. And everything too. Like you're is, fire. Yeah, and everything's going to plan. And I'm 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 believing for it. I'm getting into this and everything's going to plan. And, and I want to say too, in case anybody's wondering who hasn't listened to it, I had never once felt like I was being railroaded. And Dan wasn't railroading us. Yes, I did not railroad this to like occur. He, he didn't railroad us into the situation where we're in this room, he didn't railroad us into getting shot with a trank gun where he just says, okay, you're unconscious and you're unconscious and this is what happens to you. Yeah, there, there, there was, was no, there was no, this did not right. go down as your bond style where you guys wake up with tattoos and, <laughs> and a hangover and no memory of how you got to <laughs> Tijuana. <laughs> <laughs> but are my tits spectacular? <laughs> but that was not how this was set up. In fact, there were many points along the way where you guys could have much earlier taken this off that particular direction. Mm-hmm. It just so happened that because I play the NPCs as if they mm-hmm. like characters. I think we talked right. about this last episode. I play them like characters. And as a result, they've got their own ends and own goals. And it just so happens that one of the antagonists was able to manipulate correctly to get what he wanted. So much so. That at one point, Lee, I very distinctly recall saying, um, wasn't this a little too easy? He did. Yeah. <laughs> did he? Yeah, you know, did. Nice. You, yeah. did, you did. You did at a couple <laughs> points be like, man, this felt like it was too easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah like it right. didn't It didn't go sideways. Yeah. What did we do wrong? Yeah. Right. right. And, and, well, obviously, <laughs> we're about to get to that. Yeah. <laughs> and so this guy, though, it was all above board rolling, no railroading. So when... We get to Chad, and he takes a shot at Chad. Actually, it wasn't him. It was a guy that was with him yep. who had the trank gun. So he had a, there was a turncoat among the guards, and the turncoat among the guards is going to do the trank gun shooting. And Chad raises the point. He says, I am wearing the steel breastplate. Because we've played like 20 games, and it hasn't come up once. And he's like, <laughs> can you at least roll the hit location? Because would this penetrate steel armor mm. and the answer is no it's just it's a needle it's right. not going to penetrate it's not going to punch through steel if it was a regular gun at that range maybe but this is not going to do it so i rolled location and sure like, enough no, one in 12 chance there's no way but it's a little more <laughs> one in 12 it's like two or three in 12 but yeah. still the point is i roll that die torso so it hits the chest plate so it's like Dink. So it's like, dink, it's, and you said, well, is it stuck in me? And I'm like, well, it's stuck in your clothes. Yeah, because I wear clothes over. Yeah, you wear loose clothing and you got a coat on and some stuff. So it looks like it connected. Mm -hmm. So you basically go possum, you know, you play dead. And there was a five minute countdown timer on this bomb. Once again, because the guy did not want the party to die, nor did he want to die. This wasn't a suicide attack. So he wanted time for him and you guys to get out of there. And he had a plan for this. Five minutes on the clock. The clock is ticking. I thought for sure you guys would take off and run. And instead what happens is Chad says, I want to change one thing. And he gives me the equivalent of fate chips, the bullets to make it happen, which is I want one of the other guys in our party, an NPC, but a friendly NPC to be waiting outside. Said, okay, that's plausible. We can Mm -hmm. do that. Not outside the room, but outside of the arch. She was up on the arch grounds. And you went upstairs, saw if you could catch the other yeah, guy. Because the, the quote-unquote bad guy, stuff happens, and then I'm helping Songbird, the, the incensed character, out, and he's kind of got us at gunpoint with a you know gun in his pocket sort of thing. So like, don't make, him, you know, don't make any sounds, just, just walk out like nothing's wrong sort of thing. Yeah, and so yeah. 
there were some there were some rolls back and forth mm-hmm. to see if anyone could catch this guy. Once again, above board rolling. This guy was just anti Wayne. He was rolling. <laughs> I mean, just straight wonder rolls. And so he he's takes off and he's gone. But at this point now, and I was kind of keeping notes on a note card as the clock was counting down. So they're down to about four minutes yeah. thirty seconds by this point. So basically, the NPC frees us, and there's a turning point. And Chad says, "I'm going back in." That's right. And I'm like. I know I I didn't say anything at this right. point. I didn't say anything about if you do this, your character can die. It's guys of glass. You know your character mm-hmm. can die. There's no trope here I felt I needed to explain because it wasn't like you offended somebody's weird cultural sensitivities that are super idiosyncratic right. guys of glass. There's a box with a timer counting down. Yeah. Anyone who's ever seen a movie <laughs> knows what this means. Mm-hmm. And He's like, I'm going back in. And you did this, you did this, you did this. And, and you know, each one is like, okay, roll for that. You're at four minutes, 15 seconds. Well, I'm going to go do this. Okay. Three minutes, 45 seconds. I'm going to try this. It didn't work. Three minutes, 30 mm-hmm. seconds. And the clock worked its way down to, I believe it was two minutes, at which point he disarms it. And, Yay, and the crowd goes, wow. <laughs> and now. That's how you get the ladies. I've got two things as a game master. I'm going to tell you what was the bigger scramble in the moment, Mm. but that's a side topic because what was really huge about this to me is, is the other thing that actually I have time to deal with. The thing that happened right there in the moment was how do I end this game on something equally dramatic? By because you've been hyping yourself up over this. Oh yeah, ending for like was, what two weeks? It was week? going to be a huge theatrical. Yeah. This was this was going to be Independence Day, the White House blowing up kind of scene. Fortunately, there were some things you did, which if you're curious about, you can go listen to the AP that Chad had given me to work with unintentionally, mm-hmm. and a little bit of quick thinking on my part, which I don't have any advice there. Just <laughs> lightning struck. I got lucky, and I was able to come up with a different dramatic ending to the game that did not require undoing any of this but that's this thing i want to talk about here chad did something that i had not planned Mm. that went against the ending that i had in mind that went against all the successes i as a game master had had up to that point because once again not railroading Mm. no gming by fiat i had managed to work the npcs in such a way that their plot succeeded Right. They succeeded the way that normally you would think about player character succeeding. You know, they pulled off the roles. They pulled off amazing roles. They were able to manipulate social situations. They got what they wanted. I, as a game master, had earned my big theatrical <laughs> moment. And Chad comes in and totally cockblocks me. Yeah. Bam. That's not there anymore. And what I want to say on the, is this because mm-hmm. there was a tweet that I made right after this happened and I made it with no context because I don't think it needs context but I said if your players don't surprise you as a game master then you've got one of two problems either you've got really boring and unimaginative players and if that's the case I feel bad for you but apart from get a new group I'm not sure I have a lot of advice or you are not giving them the freedom to surprise you. Mm-hmm. They are so on the rails. I mean, Chad could have said to me, I've got the chest plate on. I could have said, well, no, it, it hits yeah. you in the shoulder. You suck at combat. Dan could have legitimately, in my mind, looked at me and said, 
no, Lee sucks at combat, and he could have leaned in and said, I, can't, I need you to take this hit. I'd be, and me personally, I'd be like, I got you. Yeah. I got you, brother. Or, no problem. Like, I could have even said, you know, we're going to have a dramatic dust scene mm-hmm. here. I'm not going to let it go off the rails. Chad simply has no ability to disarm this bomb. Yeah. Casey's outside. Casey grabs Brodor's new character, Songbird, drags her back down toward the boat, just taking her back to recover, not knowing what's about to happen, and Lee goes up with the fireball, right. which actually, from a narrative standpoint, would have made a hell of a lot of sense for the character yeah. to go down with St. Louis, because this thing he's tried to escape finally takes him under. What a wonderful moment, too, that had he failed, he would have failed because he doesn't know something. Yeah. Because he does not know computers and he doesn't have access to that particular skill set, he just has to accept yeah. well, that and ignorance also, has killed him. There also would have been a great irony to it because he would have died by willingly taking on the yoke of a society whose yoke five years ago or three years ago mm-hmm. or whenever it was – he had worked so hard yeah. to throw off. And so by willingly taking back on, he saved the city he was trying to escape. Let's put a pin in that. Boy, you think that's still going to happen? Or what do you mean by put a pin in that? Um, well, I don't know spoilers, but if yeah. you listen to the end of that particular episode, that particular game session, I... Oh, yeah. right. Yeah, okay. Well, there there is still more going on there. Yeah. The threat of a bomb going off in the middle of the arch grounds, that threat is resolved. And as a game master, I have always, always been a big believer in you give the players what they earn. Mm-hmm. And this kind of goes hand in hand with another saying, and I don't know how often I say it on the show. I say it all the time at the table. I'll let you roll on anything right now. What you need to roll, maybe some obscene success, yeah. but I'll let you roll on anything. Give me three 20s in a row, and then you can do it. Yeah, precisely. It's it's how Tex took down a battle right. mech with a, a personal weapon. It is technically possible. I think it, it actually is not enough to say, well, I'll let you roll on anything. You just got to roll really well, because that's not what happened. Lee achieved success on game terms because you let that all happen, but you just it wasn't just, oh, well, just give me some high rolls. It was a solid plan. It was utilizing resources that were there. It was making high rolls. Yes. It was spending resources that Lee had the, the bullets, the fate chips, the bullets. I mean, the only reason this worked is because I was playing a game with myself the entire time of not wanting to spend the bullets, the, the sort of fate chips and SOG. I wanted to see how many I could collect. And I had five, whereas everyone else had two or three. So it was, and yeah, yeah, and I should give you credit for that. Well, and yeah, it was I, I don't not mean like, to toot my own horn, but yeah, no, no, I it, think it's more just to say it isn't just roll high. The yes. whole thing has to come together. It, it was not like you walk downstairs and said, I'm going to roll my bomb disarm <laughs> and you rolled a critical success. And I'm like, oh, okay. You just no, yeah. That's not what happened. There right. is no bomb disarm skill to begin with. Mm-hmm. Secondly, that's not Lee's specialty. Right. And yeah, you're not a demolitionist. Mm-hmm. No, you had a plan. You went downstairs back into it. You like, okay, I need a computer expert. You came up with the idea because it was activated by two different thumbprints. Mm-hmm. You came up with a way to try and lift a thumbprint from the guy who had escaped, yep. which is how you defeat an iPhones and Androids thumbprint. Reasons. Yeah, that but it's really, this is a real thing. And you, I mean, no, there were parts to this plan. There were steps yeah. to it. It wasn't like I said, it wasn't just, 
I roll my demolitions and you rolled really <laughs> high. And that was that you work through it mm-hmm. step by step, which is why I had that note card where each time you said, here's my next step. Yeah. I'm like, okay, 10 to 15 seconds to accomplish that. And we're going to keep counting down until either you run out of time or you disarm this or whatever happens. Not only was it a matter of, you know, I'll let you roll on anything, but mm-hmm. give the players what they earn. Because first of all, God damn it, make them earn it. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, certainly. That's the whole thing is if it's just roll high or they achieve, but you're like, yeah, you do it, but it's the bomb still hit. It just doesn't kill you. They pick you out of the rubble or something like that. That's not letting them or that they didn't earn anything there. They earned a stalemate. And I, th- I think how you balance it is it's risk reward. The more they are risking, the more they are putting into it, and on top of it, and this is very important, the more that they're succeeding at it, yeah, the more you can give them. Because there's this idea, and we brought this up in the past, that there's this concept of risk and reward. But in role-playing games, it isn't that. We say it's risk and reward for all these different situations, but it's actually just success and reward. Risk means you can fail, and people don't like to fail in role-playing games. In Skies of Alaska is so brutal, and it's your game, and we all agreed to this in session zero, and we all knew what it was coming into it. Risk for my character was real. He would have been taken off the table if I had failed in any of this other stuff. If the plan hadn't been solid, if I hadn't rolled high enough, if I hadn't utilized the resources at the time, if I hadn't actually saved up all those bullets to be able to make rerolls when I rolled low. So all of those items, all of those things come together in in what we call the story, the game, the role-playing game. It all has to be there, and you can't take it away from them. But the risk has to be real. The failure has to happen if it fails. And and that's the two things that it creates, is one, at the table level, it creates a sense of fairness. Mm -hmm. It creates a sense that the game master is going to play fair with the party. And that does require both risk and reward, because that's part of fairness, you know, the scales balance. But the second thing it builds, and you can see this, let's forget role-playing games. When you face adversity in life and overcome it, yes, depending on the nature of the adversity, it may scar you, it may do terrible Mm -hmm. things to you, but it does also build character. It gives you a sense that, you know, I made it through this, this, and this, I can make it through that. And it starts to build this sense of investment, this sense of excitement, this sense of suspense. It builds all these kinds of emotions around the table that you don't experience if you're either on a plot railroad Mm -hmm. because you're just going to experience whatever the GM hands to you. There, There was no game to it to begin with. Or if it's all reward, no risk. Right. Because at that point... Then it's that Twilight Zone episode where that guy dies and he thinks he's in heaven and he shoots one ball at the pool table and all of them go in. Because of course you did. Yeah. And it turns out he's in hell because he can only ever succeed. And and that's terrible. You know, what I was thinking as this was occurring on the fly was if I got down to a really low number, like we were down to 30 seconds, Mm. I was probably going to give you one last player or GM to player jumping off point of saying, if you run for it now, you might escape it or at least get yourself positioned behind one of the major concrete walls well enough 
that maybe it'll dig you out of the rubble eventually. Something might save you, but you're still going to have to roll in this blah, blah, blah. Now, I didn't get to that point, but I was going to give you that, wouldn't have stopped. that out. But that was the thing, is if mm-hmm. you had not stopped, and this had gone past 30 seconds, all the way down to anything but zero, you still could have pulled it off. And at zero, that's it. Yep. I mean, you would have been completely incinerated. They would have not even found Could I have gotten bones. a roll for that? <laughs> no. <laughs> Come on, there's like a resistance roll. Certainly. <laughs> <laughs> the two things that were most important to me in that moment at the table were, one, when Chad asked the question about the dart, right? Did it actually eject whatever chemical concoctions in it? And the answer was no. And then Lee, who is not combat effective, has the sheer force of will to drive it into the thigh of the turncoat bodyguard, who's like, oh, fur, boom. And he's, <laughs> no, it, it, it did eject. Okay, so the, it's my understanding the way a tra- Oh, but it was still it was enough. Still enough. Actual, yeah, no. Was- okay, so here's what happened. Uh, maybe I didn't explain that scene well enough. All right, so the way that I understand a trank dart, is and I could be wrong on this, but this is the way that I understand how they work. There is a plunger at the back yeah, of them. It's like right. a syringe. It, and it's so the force of hitting it squirts. Precisely. Them. So what happens is think like if you've ever been in a suddenly stopping yeah. car. You did, you did explain it. So there was just residual. Right. So, yeah. so what happened was when it hit him in the chest, the plunger moved forward and ejected the contents. It just had not penetrated Lee. Right. And so instead of actually going into his body, it just made a Mess. stain on his yeah. on his chest plate. Right. But what happened is when he pulled it out, because he had given no indication he was wearing a chest plate. And mind you, the guy that you were dealing with had had no opportunity to frisk you or something like that. So he thought for sure something else must have gone wrong. Like maybe it didn't hit him, hooked his clothes a little bit but didn't stop fast enough to actually work, or maybe it had dudded or something. Mm-hmm. He, he wasn't sure what had happened. And so then he didn't have time to figure it out. He precisely. Problem. Well, he's got a, he's got a bomb counting down and knows if you guys start screaming before he gets control of the situation, he's screwed. He is in the heart of enemy territory and now is down to one guy left on his side. So when Lee pulls that dart out and stabs it into his buddy, the truth is, that dart wasn't going to do much of anything. Yeah. Oh, wow. From, but, but then, but from he Lee's didn't perspective, know. it yeah. was a Hail Mary pass. Right. And then yeah, at yeah. that point, the and you panicked him is right. what happened. And then he kills the guy presuming that it was going to work, that it was going to work. So he so, thought a, he, he can't drag this turncoat guard. He doesn't care about out and you're already unconscious and he so, can just point a gun at me. So you, you abided by the, by and I'm going to paraphrase the philosophy of the greatest Chinese American, nay, the greatest philosopher in modern time, Bruce Lee, be like water and fit into any container. Yes. You, as a game master, adapted and said, this is the situation. Now I am going to roll with that situation. But the other thing that you did that I think that most game masters, and I won't bore you guys with anecdotes from my past, but most game masters are unable or unwilling to sacrifice their creation in favor of our creation. So we collectively at the table mm-hmm. are telling the story. Many, many game masters have the flaw that 
They're committed to their outcome and their idea. And God forbid you try to get off of these rails. And but you didn't do that. And I think that for me is the advice to take away is that you have to be willing to sacrifice your expectations as a game master for the entertainment and enjoyment of the collective. Absolutely. And let me expound on a couple things there. First of all, the thing that I had to do with that. I sound like a commie, don't I? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. The, The thing that I had to do with that scene was I had to think about this from the perspective of the character. Okay. So of the antagonist as a character, what does he know? What is he afraid of? What does he not know? What bad decisions might he make in the moment? And one of those bad decisions was he saw Lee, who he knows to be an intelligent guy, pull that dart out, clearly hadn't worked, therefore in his mind hadn't ejected its contents, mm. into his buddy. He cannot manage three individuals when, he, once again, any noise, any wrong move, and he knows probably best case scenarios he'll be shot and killed quickly. Worst case scenario is a whole lot worse for him. Plus, he's got a bomb taking down right there. So he's got to act. And the fastest way to act was this guy who's probably drugged, he's not sure, has to die so he can get out of there quickly enough. And he's hoping the gunshot in the room, because it was an interrogation, would sound like somebody trying to intimidate the person being interrogated. I would like to point out, Mm -hmm. because if Songbird had been killed, I would have been bumming. Sure. Right. I mean, it'd have been a bit fast. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, I would have been bumming because I I'm starting to understand who she is. I'm right. really starting to like her. Right. And especially after the conversation. And again, I'm boring with people who don't listen, but I'm, I've got a point. <laughs> so and it isn't. Well, those are kind of <laughs> blunty anyway, at least the good ones. Damn it, Chad. <laughs> you, you pulled a me. So anyway, that conversation that Leopard and Songbird had on the bench and the whole that whole conversation, I was like, the things that Leopard had said to her really helped me to understand. And it wasn't about recovering her memories. It it was just about who she is as a person, right? And it, it really put a lot of things into perspective. However, if we had just fucking killed him, if mm-hmm. we had just camped out, like I said, and <laughs> let me use my skill set and put a bullet in his brain, none of this would have happened. Yeah. No, it wouldn't have. I did have concepts for what the plot could have become, where things could have gone from there. But as we've asserted from the start, you were not on the rails. And that, and that's the other thing that as a game master, and, and maybe this is where I fail as a game master, because in this situation, I know I would not have planned that far ahead. Mm-hmm. I would not have been able to anticipate the moves of my players and had the NPC actually plot their own capture, expecting that that's precisely what we would do and then turn them over. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those game masters that me being a step ahead of you is just facade. Mostly what I'm doing is reacting, but putting some, some spin on it. Let me explain what the process is like there. I don't look at every possibility because I can't. I do look at some possibilities. I do think, okay, what happens if this NPC is supposed to deliver a piece of plot or do a thing and they derail it? They kill the person. They don't give them the chance. They do it first, whatever it is that happens. And I I do try to look for those big major branching points. 
But ultimately, I cannot predict them all because one, there's too damn many. And two, no matter how many I think of, you will think of ones I didn't. And so what I look at instead is what is it that they serve to the plot? All right. So what is it that this antagonist, Leopard, actually we're told his real name, but we'll just keep calling him Leopard. So what is it that Leopard Reference. Is that his real name? I thought it was, I just assumed no, it was his, an alias. No, the, the, the Stone. Stone, it yeah. really is. His, I forget what his first name is, but yeah, that is his real name. Uh, but what does he represent to the plot? Why is he in my plot at all? What role does he serve in this world? And the answer is that he has intimate knowledge yeah, he does. Of, a, of a plot that involves multiple forces that are trying to exert pressure on St. Louis. So what I had to think through was if he gets taken out of the picture, is there somebody else in my Rolodex of NPCs that could take that role and keep doing what he was doing? And the answer is yes. And I won't tell you who it is. So you've not actually met this character yet. In fact, leopard is that for the rat man, Mm -hmm. the leopard he was my fallback for what happens if something happens to the rat man. Well, and it, because, you know, like I said, it's about what he represents to the plot. Who was the rat man? What was he mechanically doing to the game? What was he presenting to the game? And it's like, this is the role he's got to fill. So I just need to recast another NPC who's going to have their own spin, their own angle, their own personality, but can perform the same basic functions and carry the same water. Right. So it's about plotting contingencies. It's about being prepared well, for those moments. That and Dan knew we wouldn't kill him because the week before he asked us when we were at dinner before recording, he's like, are you guys just going to kill this leopard guy or I what? Was, which is not a disparagement. That's really smart. <laughs> I mean, it's not like he got us to sign contracts promising yeah. we wouldn't, but he, yeah, when he was planning it out. I don't remember that conversation. Yeah. I just remember in character trying to persuade the rest of you right. that we should kill and, him. And you were like, well, you guys whacked the rat man pretty quick, which was fine. But, you know, I could put a lot of plot into this guy. <laughs> I just need to know. And, and we were like. Both Wayne and I are like, no, no, he has information, man. Yeah. We need to talk to him. We need to do this. It was, yeah, scout my, out your players beforehand. Absolutely. On my end, it was, yeah, it was, this, I was scouting yeah. you guys out for a risk reward thing on my end of, okay, I, I recognize something could happen in the moment mm-hmm. to change your mind. Yeah, you didn't have a signed contract or anything. But, promises, but if yeah. your intention's already, oh, no, screw this guy. As soon as we see him, we're going to dome him. Yeah. Then, then you can fill the container with right. water or whatever then the hell. Why would I? I'm not yeah. going to bother even. Right. creating a possibility of where the sky goes. It was a valid question and it was a good idea. I think that when game masters have these big gigantic moments and they aren't sure if the players are going to take the bait or go for it or kill a guy or not kill a guy. I think it's okay to ask them just do it in a way that doesn't give any spoilers or doesn't reveal anything. Cause like you said, you don't even remember him asking. You know what? I've got another major leg of this topic I want to talk about. Let's go ahead and wrap this particular episode up here. And I want to cut a part two on this. Part, oh, no. A part doo-doo. Yeah, part. Well, I want to drop a deuce on this one. <laughs> yeah. Because, Broder, there's something you talked about, about doing things for the sake of the group. Oh, I thought you were talking about corn, about, about how it's unkillable. <laughs> I want to know how many metric tons of 
porn are in the sewer in your neighborhood. <laughs> I'm sure somebody's figured it out. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in, and, and we're sorry about Brodor. And- yeah, you know, you know what, people, I, I, whatever. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get into it because I exaggerate. We'll catch you next <laughs> yeah. time. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2018. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy network of shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.